Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. We've got the Indy 500 coverage, NBA, the National Fantasy Football Championship. Greg Ambrose is our guest. We've got a lot to do. Let's go. Uh-huh. Century, doing something mean to it, do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it, screams from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero don't need the same music. No one man should have all that power. The clock ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. One bleeds red. One bleeds blue. Two friends. One heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Until the uh, 500. 
347-324-5404 is the number. We're live uh, on the FantasySportsChannel.com, FSC.FM. Mark Ronick and the guys at Fantasy Sports Channel bring live fantasy coverage 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, it's quite an experience for the fantasy, uh, the avid fantasy plan. We we do stream live on iTunes radio, so feel free to, uh, you know, if you have I, uh, Apple TV or any of those uh, cool little gadgets, iTunes on your uh, on your computer, uh, you can download us uh, and subscribe to the podcast and listen to us on your iPod or your MP3 player in the car, at home, in the shower, wherever you want, man. You know, I like to turn on, uh, I've got Apple TV hooked up to the bedroom TV, and I like to turn it on, Mike, and uh, go to the podcasts that are on the Fantasy Sports Channel every morning, and uh, you know, get ready in the morning. I'd rather do that than listen to the mundane ESPN or NFL Network and all that when I could listen yeah, to fantasy talk to get my mind going, not necessarily to get the best advice, but to get the wheels turned on things that I want to look up, do my own due diligence, talk with you about, and get inform yeah. my opinions before these drafts. Yeah, so so much of stuff uh, becomes, uh, you know, it can become old so quick uh, if you're listening to the same old stuff over and over again. But uh, you know, there, there's so many uh, so many talents out there that. Uh, Show us on uh, Blog Talk Radio, you know, what they have and what they may, uh, you know, their opinions, and then you can decipher. It's like, you know, I don't like that or I do like that. And then you can build from there and then kind of form a, a tree. Again, 347-324-5404 is the number. We've got a big show tonight, Mike. Again, Indianapolis Motor Speedway is what I, what I wanted to kick it off with. Again, the 100th anniversary of the uh, first Indianapolis 500. If you've never been out to Indy, it's a great reason to come. At least see one race. Put it on your bucket list, gang. you got to go to the Indianapolis 500. I went last year, my first. What a blast. 450,000 fans will pass the Speedway next Sunday. Yeah. This was Fast Friday. This was all practice. This was getting the track down. Beautiful day uh, to be out at the track. And, you know, they don't release the official numbers, but it's somewhere around the half a million people mark every single year. And that's just on the one day. That's on Sunday. Uh, but I was sitting there today, uh, went around the park, uh, the, the track, and, and Mark took us out, Mike. He's been working there for 35 years. He's the infield supervisor. He took me around on the golf cart so I'd see all the nooks and crannies of the track. And uh, we were out in the Maury Rose suite at Tilson. Man, it was a great time. I had a blast. And uh, can't wait to, uh, you know, uh, be do part they, of it again uh, either this week or next weekend. Do they really have a golf course inside the track? They do. They do. Uh, absolutely, man. The track, we went out there today, and they were golfing today. They usually don't. They've got a new director over there. They're trying to make it fun for the kids and the younger crowd. They've got a lot going right. on. They've got a. Uh, they're trying to break a world record jump out of this ATV, this little four-wheel vehicle, one of those, like, you know, sand buggies or something, man. They're going to – it's a huge ramp. They're going to winch this guy up on a crane and take him at the top and drop him off, man, and he's got to jump, you know, free free falling, man, and it's just uh, – I don't know how high to even tell you. It was it was just looks so tall to me. A lot of fun things like that. That was sponsored by Hot Wheels. And they've got, you know, again, the, the golf course that's there. I think it's like 100 150 bucks to play. But, you know, you imagining your backswing here in those indie cars going in the backstretch. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Uh, you know, an experience. 
if you've never been been at the track and uh, golfing, nonetheless, I mean that's that's incredible. But we did we stopped in and and there's a par three that's right off the uh, the, the the cart path there. So we took the we took the golf cart off of the the path there and just sat there and watched a couple of guys on this par three, beautiful par three, and saw saw some guys sticking. It was pretty fun today. Yeah, that's, that's pretty neat. Uh, now, uh, do they now for the Indy 500? They've got the uh, all the top the top two are set or how does you know, that work, Scott? Oh, no, I mean, I mean they're gonna they're gonna do the qualifying, right? I mean, isn't, that's what sets uh, qualifying here coming up. Uh, you've got Carb Day, you've got Bump Day, you've got uh, you've got all the okay. events that that lead up to the Indianapolis 500 in, in qualifying. So that's that's definitely coming up tomorrow. Now, Mike, the other thing I want to talk about that's non fantasy football related. Uh, look, I mean, we we don't have we don't even have an NFL season right now, so we've got to you know, kind of kill some time with some stuff. But hey, you've got to talk about the NBA right now. It's the only thing keeping us sane right now. Uh, there's four teams left: Oklahoma City's taking on Dallas, and then you've got uh, the ex Cleveland Cavalier, LeBron James, and the Miami Heat. Uh, boo, taking on uh, your, you know, the uh, the uh, the other uh, Chicago Bulls Chicago and Derrick Rose, number one seed, Chicago Bulls. What a series for bo- on both sides, Eastern and Western Conference, Mike. I'm really enjoying it. They're, I Scott, they're, both series, I think, have a chance to go seven. Uh, you know, I'm not a huge NBA fan, NBA fan, but uh, when it comes to this point. When I see the the level of, of play, what I'm seeing both offensively and defensively, I'm loving it. And uh, let's uh, why don't you uh, tell the listeners we've got uh, we've got four players pick the best of the four, Scott. And uh, why don't you go for it? Yeah, you know something fun with it. We we, we talked about. It. I wanted to kind of. You know, a lot of you guys aren't following the NBA. You definitely have to check out some of these series, some great basketball going on. I, the NBA kind of killed off for a lot of us there for a couple of years, but it's really coming back uh, in a big way and becoming a little bit more enjoyable. But there's four guys, uh, four teams, and we picked the best four players off of those teams. You've got uh, Derrick Rose of the, of the Bulls, LeBron James of the Heat, Kevin Durant of the Thunder, the Oklahoma City Thunder for all those. Uh, they used to be the Seattle Supersonics. And then Dirk Nowitzki of the Dallas Mavericks. Four players on four different teams. The best player playing right now, still in the playoffs. The best player still remaining. We're going to give you all honors at the bottom of the hour, Mike. I know what it is. I know who it is. And if you don't pick the player that I've got here, you're wrong because I'm absolutely right on this one. No, no. I I know who I got, and uh, I I picked this player before the. Uh, before the playoffs even started, but all four of them are outstanding. I mean, I could uh, I could sit there and watch either one of them and just go, you know, be in awe of them because uh, what they do. And now, what not only what they've done throughout the regular season, but what they're continuing to do in the playoffs and when it counts. And when it counts is right now. Yeah, three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. Um, we've got uh, Greg Ambrosius of the National Fantasy Football Championship going to be on with us later uh, in the program. Uh, he, he has um, made some big moves with the NFFC lately, uh, namely going to uh, Las Vegas uh, on opening weekend with the Primetime League. 
uh, continuing with the classic and uh, lots of things that we want to talk about there. Um, but uh, so we're, we're going to go ahead and, and get him on the phone here. Let me go ahead and pull him up, Mike. I want you to, uh, while I'm doing that, I want you to go ahead and um, talk about our experience in the NFFC, that 14-teamer, and what we've done in Chicago. Yeah, I, I, I'd love to. Um, Scott and I, we've, uh, we've had a lot of uh, chances to, uh, you know, to peg that 14-teamer. Uh, we've uh, tried it, I guess, three four times now. And uh, you know we drafted from different positions uh, in the uh, in the NFFC uh, four teamer or fourteen teamer, and uh, you know it it didn't seem. I mean we had an early pick, we had a mid pick, uh, we had a late pick, and uh, we never were able to uh, crack that code, so to speak. It's a tough thing to do. Uh, you know you 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 have to. Uh, you have to go ahead and draft the guys that you want. And if your first couple round picks, the first two round picks, if you don't nail them, nail them quick, and if they're not solid, then you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Now, I'm sure a lot of you out there are going, well, that's the same way in a 12-teamer. I totally disagree with you. You better get this in a 14-teamer because the, the number of players – Falls off dramatically come round ten, eleven, and so next thing you know, you're—I you, mean, you're all—you're already reaching for somebody that you've never even heard of in round ten, eleven, twelve. So that—that's where the uh, the gold mine. That's where uh, your research, uh, the work you put into it. That's where it comes into as far as. Rounds one, two, three, four, and five. I, I would say the first five rounds, you better have your homework done because after that, you, you're going to have to work at it. It's going to be tough. Yeah, the NFFC, uh, for those of you that haven't played it before, um, it, it is a uh, it is a, a high-stakes fantasy football league that has been going on for, what, close to 10 years now. They've been drafting in multiple sites, multiple cities for several years. And uh, they've always been drafting on the Labor Day weekend, which is a very tough time for people to get out. But they still brave the the elements uh, of family and and cookouts and things of that nature, and and leave and head up to maybe Chicago or New York or uh, Las Vegas. And uh, this year they're branching out and, and coming up to opening weekend. So that's um, that's going to be pretty uh, pretty interesting to see how that turns out. They're taking the prime time contest there, so I can't wait to talk to Greg about that. Uh, while we're waiting for Greg to connect on here, you know what? Uh, there is another um, there's another interesting uh, thing that happened in a, in a, in a sad uh, day for some of us that grew up with the guy, but Randy Savage, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, died today uh, in a one car accident in uh, Pinellas County, Florida. He was 58 years old. Randy Papo. Uh, remember, he did have uh, he brought uh, Miss Elizabeth into the World Wrestling uh, Federation back in the 80s, yeah. and, uh, you know, if you remember uh, correctly, I think she died from a prescription drug overdose at uh, in her early 40s. So, you know, you've got Randy Savage. I pulled up a clip and just to kind of remember uh, who this guy was and what he was all about. Here's kind of sums it up. Right. 
you know, our second $100,000. But uh, it's going to be a long season. That baseball is a marathon. Well, that's cool, Greg. Uh, this is Mike. Uh, and that's all in baseball that uh, you've got that, that much uh, participation and that much going on, right? Yeah, you know, baseball, we're the, kind of the only game in town. I mean, WCFB has is competition as well. But, uh, you know, we, really we've been around since 2004, and uh, we sold out our main event seven straight years. Uh, so baseball has just been very kind to us, and we've got a really nice format with the 15-team uh, contests. It's a really, really tough competition. Just a great group of guys. The message boards have been real, real active. Uh, outside of bad weather, I mean, there's been more rainouts this year than all of yeah. last year. Baseball's been smooth, but the damn weather is just terrible everywhere. We're yeah, no, I am of the uh, National Fantasy Football Championship and the National Fantasy Baseball Championship. You've got stats as your software. You've got big company backing. You're moving to opening weekend with a 12-team contest. Greg, the first time when I saw that, I'm like, why are you abandoning or or not abandoning? Why are you choosing the 12-team primetime over the classic that has the rich tradition of your contest for, what, eight, nine years now? Yeah, it's our eighth year, actually. And the classic, as you say, is our signature event. Uh, It's 14 teams. It's very unique. Uh, quarterback, six-point scoring, you know. And that's what we started with in 2004. I mean, listen, if you go back history, in 2002, WCUFF was it. I mean, give Lenny and Amo all the props in the world. 552 teams at 1,250 at a time when free was the N-word in 2002. And these guys come out with high stakes, just unbelievable. In 2003, they had 600 teams sold out. You know, I wasn't going to come in in 2004 and just duplicate what these guys were going to do. I started with baseball with a 15-team format. More teams seemed to be more a tougher competition, and our guys liked that. So I came out with a 14-team format that I thought was very unique, and I really felt that there was uh, enough room in the industry for two great contests. Those guys had the 12-teamer licked. It was perfect. There was no reason to compete with it, and I felt our 14-teamer was really solid. And we were only going for 300 teams. We weren't trying to duplicate their 600. And in 2004, we came out and had 224 teams. And I think we carved out a, our own little niche here through the last eight years. But obviously, I need to be in the 12-team space. That's where most people are. Uh, you know, I, I think I have a unique contest with third-round reversal and KDS. So I'm not abandoning the 14-team format. We'll be in three different cities over Labor Day weekend, just like we have for the last seven years. We'll have a $100,000 grand prize in the 14-team format. But this year we stepped up and said we're going to do a $100,000 grand prize in the prime time as well. We'll do those drafts on Labor Day weekend in New York, Chicago, and Las Vegas. But then the second weekend there seems to be an opening for the prime time, the 12-team format. And so we're going to continue with that competition on the second weekend. We're going to have two weekends of drafts. And I think it'll be interesting to find out, was it more advantageous to draft the first weekend before the Thursday game or the second weekend? Both weekends qualify for the 100000 and you don't, start your setting, or you don't set your starting lineup until before the Sunday game. So everybody gets to watch the Thursday game and make their starting lineups after that. So, you know, we feel like, like I say, there's an opening with WCUFF struggling, and we want to be there in Las Vegas. God bless Alex and Dave, but we're not going to let them be alone on that weekend if, if things change with WCUFF. Well, yeah, I never uh, thought about that before, Greg. You bring up an interesting point. You've got the draft on Saturday, and then you've got the draft yep. on the following uh, weekend. 
So that yep. means some drafts are going to happen before the Thursday game. Some drafts are going to happen after. So we're talking about uh, New Orleans and uh, Green, Green Bay. Bay. Is that right? Yeah, okay, it's going to be up in Lambeau. I'm going to miss it. Yep. Yeah, so let's say uh, Jordy Nelson goes haywire, or uh, maybe James <laughs> Starks goes off, or, uh, I don't know, Mark Ingram goes nuts, or Jimmy Graham, something, you know, Colston goes down with the knee or something. Yep. If, if that happens, then on the following the following weekend, those players have more information than the players from the previous weekend. Does that give them an edge? Well, I mean, we're going to find that out. Uh, everybody is going to be in that league will have the same information. And really, as you know, Scott, you're competing within that league. And so if one player goes off, then everybody in that league knows what his score was on Thursday and they'll draft appropriately. I'm not as worried about uh, one player having a great game over another one because everyone will have the opportunity to draft them that second weekend. More it's the injuries. I sure hope that there's not a season-ending injury because that would affect some of the people on the second weekend. But, uh, you know, the two-weekend draft format has been a really good success in baseball. There are a lot of doubters at first, but uh, I think this format in football can work just as good. There's a lot of people that are going to want to draft that first weekend before everyone knows all the information. And in the prime time, obviously, there's going to be a lot of people who want to draft that first NFL weekend in Las Vegas. It's a kick-ass time of the year. It's a kick-ass place to be. Why not have our 12-team format there as well? I just think it's going to grow our 12-team event by having those both weekends. We'll be the only game in town trying this, so this will be the first year. We'll find out if it was uh, a smart plan or not. Mike, I know you have a question coming up after this, but Greg, Chad Schroeder won the primetime league last year for you. How does it feel to have such a prestigious player in the high stakes community represent the primetime brand? I mean, that's, that's a pretty major accomplishment yet again for Chad, who has other major victories. Oh, man, Chad Chad is fantastic, you know, and I had never met him before uh, baseball this year. He drafted online in the prime time, uh, did it the year before with us as well. He's just a very, very good player. I mean, this is a guy, like you said in the article that Tom wrote, a really good article on our website if you want to check it out. Third round through ninth round, he nailed every single pick. I mean, nailed it, you know, and so people can say whatever they want about having good success year in and year out, but nobody is competing for the overall title everywhere. FFPC, he wins. WCUFB, his first year playing high-stakes fantasy baseball, he wins their prize. He wins our prime time. Yeah. I mean, and, he, and he's a great, great guy. He's real humble. I mean, he hung out with us for 12 days out in Vegas for baseball and just as quiet as can be, just as nice as can be. Yeah, he just fits in with our community very nicely. He just is the type of champion that we want. And uh, he kicked ass last year, and he is well-deserving of that title, definitely. No doubt, Greg. I mean, one, one time is luck. Yeah, I can buy that. But yep. uh, what uh, what Chad does over and over, year after year, that's not luck. I mean, that that's a lot of hard work. Uh, yeah. yeah. I do have a question. And I hate to bring this up, but I'm gonna I, I'm going to. Uh, how are you uh, How are you dealing with the? Uh, well, let's face it, the lockout, the lockout that could yeah. happen. Uh, what kind of uh, measurements have you put into place uh, to deal with that? Yeah, I mean it sucks. It sucks in a lot of ways, especially for stats. I mean we we obviously have a lot of business in other areas. Uh, we want to grow not only our high-stakes business, but uh, I've joined Stats to try and become the, the top pay-to-play company in the industry. You know, Fanball had almost $12 million in uh, pay-to-play 
games, and that's uh, a hole that we want to fill. So it sucks for us. It sucks for everybody. I mean, we're not doing our magazine this year, our fantasy football, our fantasy sports magazine. Uh, that's a great promotional vehicle for us to get new people in. And so it sucks. But, uh, you know, we do have a good core of people who are waiting and certainly going to be signing up. We're not taking it. We never take any money from anybody until August 1st. So it's not like we're, you know, behind schedule on, on sign-ups right. or anything like that. I, I really think that our core is going to come back in the three cities once the lockout happens. But, uh, you know, I'm calling up people. I want to make sure that I get their temperature, that I know that they're going to still play if this lockout is done. And, and, as, and so far, and I think everybody else in the industry will say the same thing, people are optimistic that this will get done. If it gets done in July, they're ready to play. If they carry this into August, all bets are off. And I think even for our event and all the other events, they'd have to reevaluate their prize payouts and everything else because customers aren't just going to last minute fly to Vegas. It just isn't going to happen. And we all need to be smart here. I know we all want the biggest grand prize, but we all got to make smart business decisions here. And I think our customers will understand if these bastards go into August with this lockout. You, you know what? Uh, I think you're. Uh, I think you totally nailed it, Greg, uh, because. I think every, everybody will understand it's, it's a tough situation uh, as me, just a player. And I can, I can imagine uh, you, uh, you know, w- with the NFFC and, uh, you know, those and other uh, that, that run other high, high stakes fantasy football organizations. I mean, that that's not easy. This cannot be an no. easy time. So uh, no, let's because, just hope no, because like you say, you, you got to guarantee the grand prize. I mean, it's it's obviously a federal law on how you run these contests, and you have to guarantee the grand prize, and you can't go off it. The only way you could reduce that is to either refund everybody their money, or at least get everybody to sign up again under the new prize pool. And uh, again, if it goes into August, I think everyone will have to consider that because uh, the numbers that we're all projecting and. You know, as I put in the high-stakes comparison on the NFFC boards, I just put that out there because everyone should know what the numbers are. Between the four contests, if WCFF is still around, we're projecting 2,500 teams at $1,400 or more, and last year there were only 1,500 teams in our high-stakes industry. So somehow, some way, even in, if the lockout gets settled soon, this high-stakes market, some people aren't going to hit their goals. But if it goes into yeah. August... We're all not going to hit our goals, and we better be smart business people to make sure that uh, we're not just screwing with the customers again. Well, yeah, you know, I think it would be kind of cool to get you guys one of these days on a roundtable discussion to kind of air this out because I, I think it would only be fair to get, like, you know, the, uh, the three contests represented all at the same time. I mean, wouldn't that be something? But, I, you know, maybe one day we'll see that. You know, maybe I'm dreaming. But, hey, you got a couple of well, questions in the chat room here. I want to bring them up to you because uh, the chat room is kind of buzzing here. Greg uh, Ambrosius is our guest tonight. The first question comes in from a Coyote Streaker. Mike Santos, would you ever consider not using the 3RR, the third round reversal? For everybody that's not familiar, Greg, give them a breakdown of that as well. Yeah, well, I mean, the third round reversal, and Mike is hopefully going to join the NFFC this year, and this is probably new to him. I mean, we've done the Serpentine many, many times. The third round reversal for us with the 14-team format just seemed to balance both ends and the middle with representatively. Uh, there was nothing worse that I hated than getting guys signed up, getting all pumped up for their leagues. I'd announce the picks, and I'd announce everybody's picks, and I'd get a phone call from the 13th and 14th owner going, you just screwed me, man. I can't win from back there. 
So third round reversal just kind of made things more balanced. And the combination of KDS where you can pick where you want to draft makes it worthwhile. 3R alone is just a third round reversal, but allowing people to pick where they want to go. Tom Yates won our $100,000 from the 14th spot because that's where he wanted to draft because he wanted to get three wide receivers right away. He really felt in our scoring system that would work. So, Tom, I don't remember where he was pulled out of the hat, but it was early. He got his first <laughs> choice, which was 14, and he won $100,000. Personally, Mike, I'll just say this. I don't think the game operator should tell you where you should draft. If you've got any say in where you can draft, and that's what 3RR and KDS does, why not? You're paying me the 1400 Why should I tell you where to draft? So that's what 3RR and KDS does. And to answer the question, no, I think 3RR is here to stay at the NFFC. We've got a question from Wayne, uh, Wayne Ellis. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Wayne. He has a question for you. Yeah, have you ever considered an NFFC online championship <laughs> in late July or early August? What was the question again? Yeah, have you ever considered having the NFFC online championship start in late July or early August? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we don't get a lot of people to sign up. We, even with baseball, we, we did them a little bit earlier this year. And, you know, you might get one full league in late July, you know, one more full league in early August. But most people signing up just want to be as late as possible. There's some guys who like it early because they feel like they have studied, they're, they're well ahead of the competition, but we just don't fill up that many. So I'll offer them in June if that helps, but I just don't think we'll fill up the league. So I go wherever the demand is, and that's why most of our draft dates are later on in August. But if Wayne can help me fill them up earlier, you know I'll be there. Hey, uh, Mike is thanking you for the response in the chat room. Uh, you know, KDS makes perfect sense, and he said that, uh, or I said that as well. I prefer blind bidding for draft spot. You know, there's a there's a yeah. contest ran by uh, 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 Farrell Elliott, and and he he has the um, the blind bidding. Have you ever have you ever uh, seen that? In, have you ever been involved or been in a league that uses blind bidding for your draft spot? Yeah, no, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. But in a national contest where each league is a little different, I just don't like doing it. I, I understand how you could do it. I mean, some guys would probably bid their whole 1000 or 900 and some dollars for certain draft picks, and, you know, you can do it that way. I just really want everyone to be on the same footing, the same setting when the regular season starts, and that's with everybody having $1,000 of fab left. And uh, you, you don't do that when you have blind bidding, you know, for your draft slots. So. You know, there's different well, ways of skinning the cat, and I just think KDS and 3R is our unique way. It sounds confusing, but once you've played, I think you really appreciate KDS and 3R. Do you feel like that's an obstacle to new players that, uh, you know, somebody? Let, let's face it, Greg, there's a lot of players that play fantasy football, but they're not like us. I mean, even if they right. want to stretch out in their boundaries and spend more money on a league right. – the first time when you start to hear something a little bit more challenging that you're not experienced with or seems a little foreign to you, you're like, ah, oh, they've right. got an edge on me. I'm right. not as confident as I was before when I, until right. I read that. Yeah, no, I understand, and it's a good question, but I think we have to give the customer a little more credit than, than we're giving them. They understand this. If you tell the rules, they understand it. Secondly, you know, we're going to do $60 leagues this year, these $60, 60-second per-pick leagues. Hopefully people, and that's what we've found through the years, they play satellites and they get used to it beforehand. The very first year we did 3R, I knew we'd get to the main event and somebody had signed up and really didn't look at the rules and didn't understand 3R. And, 
sure enough, we sit down, guy with the first pick, get to the third round. He is just livid. I thought I got the first pick in the third round. No, didn't you read the rules? We got three RR. Well, we don't get that anymore, but uh, certainly that first year we did. <laughs> and uh, hopefully a lot of people will check out the satellite leagues and get used to it because three hey. RR is a good thing. You just got to get used to it. You're, you're stealing my thunder here, Greg. The NFFC 60s, the bowling night. Uh, for all of you that uh, haven't heard about those, $480 lead prize for first, 120 for second, 75 for third. It's a 26-round uh, draft master style, like a best ball type league. So it's total points. And uh, listen, Greg, I've got a proposal for you. I want you to be open-minded about this. I'm right. to put you on the all spot. Right. Mike right. and I would like to participate in a league next Friday night on Red versus Blue. We want to help you kick off. The NFFC 60s, the NFFC 60s kickoff, the red versus blue, like 60 seconds per pick kickoff. We do drafts for some other contests. We'd love to help you jumpstart the NFFC 60s and get those things rolling. What do you say? I like it. I like it. Uh, we're just finishing up our draft software, and next Friday I think is uh, Memorial Day weekend, so it might not be next Friday. But let's talk about doing that live. That's a great idea. You know, here here's the thing. Scott, I live in Wisconsin. I'm a cheesehead. I'm in a bowling league. I understand it, you know. Every Tuesday night, kiss the wife goodnight, and I go off bowling and drink with the boys, you know. And we and have about 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah, 50 bucks, what the hell, you know, and you have a good time. And so, you know, we started this a couple of years ago with $50 leagues, and it was really to just get people to try 3RR and get used to satellites and just get in a room together and chat and have some fun for 50 bucks. Well, we were at the fan ball, you know, they wanted to get rid of that. We had enough leagues, and so we didn't continue that. I mean, God bless Alex, but I know he put on his boards, hey, that's what we're doing, the 77s. We copy this plan. It's a great idea. We're going to do it here. And they are popular at FFPC, and I love it. For me, I wanted to do even, like, quicker. You know, every Tuesday night, if that's your bowling night, join us for the 60s, but also 60 seconds per. No more of this. Wait 90 seconds, a minute 35, whatever it is. Get ready. You know, sit up, sit down, shut up, and draft. That's what we're going to be Let's about. Let's do it, Let's smash do it. Let's join it. Yep, that's going to be fun. So maybe not next Friday, but let's keep talking, and we'll do it on a Friday night maybe after that, and we'll do it live and have a blast. I'm all for it. Yeah, let's 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 get it going. I'm. Uh, we do have a question. What is the payout percentage of the $60 leagues of war kittens yeah. in the chat room? Yeah, it's just over 80%. And, again, I've been very solid with what we've been doing. We pay 75% for our live events, and our satellite leagues are 80%. This one is just a little over. I think it's 80.5 or something like that. So so it's six times for first. Or I mean, eight times for first. $60 entry fee, $480 for first place. It's a draft champions, so most points, 16 weeks, you draft. And then just let the computer take over after that. It's, it's really just a practice round for 60 bucks for a lot of people. I think they're going to love it. And they'll be there every whatever night we choose. I think we're going to do it Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays is what we're looking to do. Well, they're already signing up in the chat room, so we might have this thing, uh, this league filled before the show is over. Let's so, do it. Uh, yeah, I love that, it. That, that, that'll be a lot of fun, and uh, looking forward to that. I'm always a fan of the six points per rushing touchdown. Let's get to some football, man. Michael Vick, if you do all the numbers, I know you're a big numbers guy too, Greg. Michael Vick, if you look at all the numbers of this guy, it reminds me of the Tom Brady magical season and the Peyton Manning. I mean, but he's not doing it with passing yards. He's doing it with all around his game, and it looks totally dominant. If he does, if he plays his game that he played last year, isn't he worthy of the number one pick overall? 
Well, you got to like what he did. I mean, the NFFC scoring, he had 391 points in 12 games. I mean, you're not going to wow. get that from anybody else. I mean, that's just phenomenal. You know, the injuries, you know, people go, oh, he only did it in 12 games, too. What happens if he did it through 16? But he does get injured a lot, and so that's a concern for me. Uh, I can't pick a quarterback first overall. I still got to stick with the running backs. I guess I'm old, too old school. But uh, you're right, 676 rushing yards, nine rushing TDs, 21 passing TDs. He really looked like he matured. My one concern is certainly at the end of the season, the Packers bottled him up. I think other teams knew how the Vikings did the same thing, rushing right in his face, blitzing in his face. So he's really got to adjust a little bit there. But he's definitely a first-round pick. I can't take him number one overall, but I love him. I'm with you. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at Michael Vick uh, myself, Greg, as, uh, you know, he's going to be a definite number one uh, quarterback. But what you what you need to look at, uh, like what you were saying, uh, down the road is – you have to figure out that quarterback that maybe you can draft uh, a little bit later on mm-hmm. that might fit in, make it a little bit further than him, and that's going to be a tough, uh, tough thing to do, and that's going to be probably a injury related type situation. Yeah. But I, I'm a firm believer in uh, Michael Vick is going to be solid the first six, seven, eight weeks of the year. If you've got him, have fun with him. <laughs> well, he certainly carried a lot of people to fantasy titles last year, and he was a good story. I mean, the guy was phenomenal. He was fun to watch. That game against Washington was just unbelievable. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they certainly could have won the Super Bowl. The Packers were hot at the right time, and they did bottle him up at the end there. But uh, he is going to be exciting for fantasy players. You know, I love Rodgers, and I'm, I know I'm from Green Bay and everything, but Rodgers and Vic, to me, are going to be right there in that first round. Vic won't go first among quarterbacks in every single draft next year. I could see Rodgers going ahead of him in some. Yeah. It seems like, though, it seems like this year more than ever, if you if you decide to pass on a quarterback, you're, you're going to do just fine. I've seen these guys yeah. wait until the eighth, ninth round and still score. Yeah. Eli Manning, who throws for 4,000 yards, and, you know, plenty of good quarterbacks late, and and but but it seems like the last couple of years anyway that it's not the same old fantasy uh, just draft your running backs and wait for your quarterbacks. It seems like the teams right. that win have a stud elite quarterback. Is that is that what you're seeing as well? Well, absolutely. I agree with you on two points. One, the quarterback position is very deep this year, and I think you know Tom has written about that too. That there's 18 you know solid quarterbacks this year. You don't have to take one in the first or second round to get a winning team. But no doubt about it, in the NFFC where we get six points per passing touchdown, you need an elite quarterback to win. There's just no question about it. Now, does that elite quarterback come in free agency like Vic did last year or in the first round? That's the question you're going to have to answer. We're talking with Greg Ambrosius from Stats and the NFFC, the National Fantasy Football Championship tonight on Red vs. Blue. It looks like LaShawn McCoy has made his case in one short year of you know, solid action. The year before was garbage. But last year, he and kind of Darren McFadden and a couple of other guys sort of elevated themselves to elite status. And, and do you see LeSean McCoy as a, as a top three uh, fantasy option this year? Well, he's not top three for me. He's certainly top seven. Uh, you know, I see that in the Trendsetters League, he did go third overall. I mean, you got to love his numbers. And the guy was very versatile and even more so. He was durable. 
You know, everybody talked about how small he was and how he was going to be injured, but that kid was durable. A thousand yard rusher, it's a 78 receptions. You know, that's the beauty right there. 78 receptions, 592 yards. Definitely see him top seven. For me, it's still Foster, Peterson, and Chris Johnson. I see in the trendsetters, Chris Johnson went sixth or fifth overall. Give me that pick. Give me fifth if he's going to fall there. I'll take him easily. <laughs> he definitely put up some duds, though, that scared me uh, with that offensive line. Maybe if the offense gets a little better and the quarterback. I mean, they're yeah. stacking everybody. Now, he's still the yeah. big play guy. He'll break one uh, here yeah. and there. But he had some games where he was just running into that line. They kept running him over and over. That poor kid was getting run to death and it's like the Titans organization. They didn't really pay him last year either. They gave him a one-year kind of holdover. Yeah. He almost played like it, really. It almost felt like he was just like, I'm not going to get hurt for you guys you, until you yeah. give me a contract. Well, then I'll run. Yeah. No, and they're going to need a quarterback, obviously. I mean, if you were playing the Titans, you'd stack that, that line of scrimmage, too. And, you know, this year they've got to have some type of veteran quarterback if the lockout goes too long. I don't know if they're going to have anybody to be able to protect Chris Johnson. But the guy is such an elite talent that I still love him. Still love him. Is Aaron Foster your number one? Yeah, he's got to be. I mean, the receptions, the durability, I mean, he's just got to be number one. Peterson is a stud, too, but uh, Foster just looks like, I don't know how long he'll last. Maybe it'll be three years, but I'm going to take him for next year. i got to believe he's going to put up similar numbers to last year's. Just a stud. 360 NFFC points last year. Adrian Peterson had 258. Chris Johnson, 252. That's 100 extra points. From Foster last year, just amazing. What do you think of Austin Collie going number twenty overall in your trendsetters draft? That pick had some uh, some head scratching involved in it. Well, that's why when you said that Wayne had a question for me, I had a question for him. What the hell was he doing there? That's what I was going <laughs> to ask him. But no, I mean uh, that's, that's some love. I mean, he took Collie before Aaron Rodgers. He took him before MJD, before Darren McFadden. Uh, <laughs> That's some love. That's some Colts love. I guess that's why his nickname is Colts fan. But, uh, you know, Collie, we've got him ranked, I think, 45th overall. He certainly put up 20 points per game every time he was healthy. But, man, those two concussions scare the heck out of me. I can't do what Wayne did. I'm sorry. What about Martin Moyer? Uh, follow me. Very famous uh, for the draft master format, taking two quarterbacks. He starts off with Vic. And then he comes back in the fourth round with Eli Manning. Is that something that's like really important to do? I mean, he's a he's a successful player in the NFFC. Is that have you do you see something? Do you see ever, you ever see that working? Not first and fourth round. I can certainly understand where you need two good quarterbacks, but I don't think I would have done what Mark did. Uh, I was surprised to see Eli there too. I have seen Mark certainly take two quarterbacks before, but I would not take Vic and then back him up with Eli in the fourth round. You know, draft champions are where guys just go off one game or two games, and, you know, i, I got to believe if Vic is healthy, Eli's not going to score for him more than two or three weeks at the most. So Great. I wouldn't do he that. Took, he took Bradford uh, in the sixth. Yeah. I wouldn't he do that either. Uh, <laughs> he took quarterbacks in the first, fourth, and sixth. And, again, I mean, this is a draft master format. So it's, uh, what, you, right. you draft for 30 rounds. Uh, that's that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of picks and a lot of uh, depth, I guess, that you're going to have at all these positions. Yeah. But that almost seems like a defensive move. I, I don't I don't win by playing defense. What do you think about playing defense in football? No, I mean I think I would definitely be more aggressive finding the wide receivers and such like that. And you know, like you say, when you got 30 rounds, 
you could probably find some quarterback that may sneak in a week or two just even in the late rounds because he emerges as a starting quarterback. I mean, look at Vic last year in draft champions leagues. He was certainly going in the late 20s, mid-20s last year in NFFC leagues. So I wouldn't do that. I, I certainly would shore up my other spots first. But, uh, you know, Mark was with me out in Las Vegas for the three Supers we had in our suite, and so we had plenty of time to talk. I'll make sure to ask him this year what the hell he was doing in this one. <laughs> Jersey yeah. Yo, Jersey Yo, I'm not familiar with Donna. He took Randy Moss in the sixth and Steve Smith in the seventh. Come on now, talk to me about that. I'm not taking Randy Moss in the 16th, I don't think. I think he's washed up. <laughs> I'm not going there, sorry. Yeah, Steve All right, Smith. well, let, let, let's, keep, let's keep it in the in the uh, in your hometown there, Green Bay. Let's talk about Ryan Grant. I mean, look, he was uh, he was he was being drafted no later than the third round in any league. You know, most of the time in the second, uh, the year prior. And all of a sudden, you with an injury, he lose. It seems like he's lost his job and he's lost his status, so to speak. People are taking him way late, not even in the top hundred picks. Do you see that scenario unfold? Because I see that as value, at least something. I mean, I'm not saying he's a a dynasty guy that I want to go after, but for a redraft in your contest. Right, yeah. Randy, he's a steal. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think he's one of the undervalued players at running back, and that's who I had listed uh, if we we're going to talk about that. Uh, you know, I like Ryan Grant a lot. Uh, I've met him. He's a great kid. He's been in Wisconsin this whole offseason. He's been working out. He could have played in the postseason if they had kept him active. Uh, so it's not like he's got a lingering injury anymore. It's a broken bone. Uh you know, I think what happened with fantasy players right now, and Starks is going about 25 picks ahead of him, which I can't believe. I mean, I've seen both of these runners, and Starks was impressive in the postseason, but uh, I still think Grant is the better all-around back. I really do. And what happened was McCarthy said after the Super Bowl that Starks is going to be the starter heading into camp. And I think he said that as much motivation for Grant as it was to let people know that Starks is for real. But I still like Grant an awful lot. Uh, he's just a more versatile player, but Starks is a big, big kid, and uh, we'll see what happens. But for me, I'm not drafting Starks. We've got him, what, 74th. I've seen him in the top 70, top 60. I'm not taking him that high. I just can't. And I certainly could take Grant in the top 100, 110, because like you said, there's a guy who can give you a lot of value if everything works out, and I still think he's going to end up being the starter in Green Bay. I really do. Well, somebody uh, in the chat. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I'm going to jump in there real quick. Uh, you know, if, if I'm going to bring him to camp, uh, Starks and uh, Grant both, uh, and if I'm seeing what I'm seeing uh, toward the latter part of last year, if, if they're showing me the same thing, and if they're if they're, if they're even Starks and Grant or even uh, who's the starting job go to? Well, I mean they would probably go to Starks because if if he has had a good camp and he's injury free, he's a bigger back. They like what he presents. Uh, you know, obviously, what he did at the end of the season was just amazing. Uh, Grant has has I think they're going to bring them both and they're both going to share carries. I don't think there's any mm-hmm. question that these guys are you you need two running backs. No one stays healthy for 16 games. It's running back right. by committee, which is going to suck for fantasy players, but that's what the Packers are probably end up going to do, is they're going to bring them both, keep both of them, and it's going to hurt both of their fantasy values, but it'll help the Packers, definitely. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that's kind, of what, what I was, uh, kind of what I was getting at. Uh, 
was that it's going to end up being a two-headed monster. And sure. that can suck, but that can be okay as well. Because uh, depending on where you get one of these right. guys uh, in, in the draft, or where maybe somebody else gets them way too high, and you can right. you know, grab somebody else uh, down low. So, well, I, don't I know. think that's what's happening is starts might be going too high. And I think that's what Scott is saying, too, is, okay, if Grant is there at pick 110, I'm taking him. I'm taking him. What the hell? But if Starks uh-huh. is going at 60, you better hope he's the full-time starter. And I just don't see him being the only back there. They're going to have both of them there. Well, a lot of dynasty players are taking Alex Green, uh, the running back uh, that had wide open truck lanes opened up for him in, his, in college. And they're also taking, Mike, you know this kid, Randall Cobb, the, the all-around yeah. playmaker at Kentucky. I mean, I watched him a lot of games. And, no matter who he played against, he was the playmaker on the University of Kentucky. Yeah. So, yeah. what do you think about both those kids? Well, Cobb, I really like that pick an awful lot. I mean, they obviously needed a defensive player in the second round, but when he was there, they just had to take him. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do with James Jones. Jones is working out with these wide receivers. It's not a foregone conclusion that he's going to sign somewhere else. It's probable that he will, but I could see them bringing back James Jones. You know, Donald Driver is certainly uh, near the end of his career, and I think that's why you're seeing Jordy Nelson just skyrocketing in drafts right now. I mean, Jordy played that slot position in the Super Bowl after Driver got hurt and just looked good. I actually didn't think that Jordy was a slot receiver. You know, he's a fast guy. I thought he'd take over where Jones was, but now I could see him maybe taking over where Driver is. And Cobb, hey, if Jones goes, they're not going to be afraid to throw him out there in that, that third wide receiver spot and give him some, some opportunities. Uh, they like him an awful lot. He's actually up in Green Bay, I heard, catching punts. They're, they're all fired up of having him be the punt returner right away and on special teams. So they got plans for that kid. I, I like him an awful lot. You know, as far as the, the back, the green, you know, he's definitely going to replace Brandon Jackson. They're not going to re-sign Brandon Jackson. But uh, I don't see him being a fantasy prospect at this point, but uh, he's certainly going to make the team and take over what the role that Brandon Jackson had in passing third-down situations. Greg, looking at this trendsetter draft, uh, everybody likes to look for busts, you know, somebody that might break the bank here and, and uh, ruin your draft in the first round. I'm looking around here in this first round, Foster, Peterson, McCoy. Who do you see as a uh, potential bust here on the radar? I'm looking a lot of these names are real safe plays. I mean, I don't see anything that uh, jumps out at me. Do you? No, no. I mean, it, it, you know, Reggie Wayne going 10th overall. You know, there's a lot of good wide receivers. I don't know if I'd go that high. I don't want to call him a bust, of course, but uh, would he be the 10th overall player? I probably wouldn't go there. That was one that stood out to me. Uh, you know, again, McCoy, I wouldn't have taken him third overall, but I can't argue there. You know, towards the end there, look at Nix. He's getting in the first round, and he continues to be in the first round or end of the second or start of the second round, so you got to like him. I guess Mendenhall, he might be one that you never know. Certainly crazy with his tweets and getting in trouble that way, but uh, you never know there. But, no, I agree with you. That's a solid first round, and I think you're going to see an awful lot of those 14 guys in the first round in NFFC drafts this year. Those guys did a good job for drafting in February. Yeah, that's always that's always really tough to draft that early. Yeah. We're talking with Greg Ambrosius from Stats and the NFFC tonight. There was a great discussion that came on, uh, on your boards talking about um, – gambling uh, a little bit of on these picks you know uh what when do you start to take some risk and going 
instead of the safe play, going for that big upside play. And I thought that was a really good discussion because that's where you start talking about strategy and when's the right time to gamble on your pick. And, and Wayne had some good points. You know, I don't want a, a safe, mediocre team. I want to hit on some – I want to throw some darts and maybe right. maybe uh, cash some gold like he did with Arian Foster in a couple of leagues. So what's your, right. what's your take right. on uh, gambling in these drafts? Well, that's the thing. Everybody is different, you know. I am just a – conservative Catholic who, who doesn't gamble as much as the next guy. I go out to Vegas and I, I can still come back with the same amount of money. That's how conservative I am. So in fantasy drafts, I'm like Tom. You know, what, what Wayne was kind of accusing Tom is Tom gets his stud guys his first two rounds. He doesn't take a lot of chances. He's not taking Austin Collie in the second round. Neither am I. Uh, for me, you know, I want to get three solid guys right off the bat. I don't want to be chancing too much so but i know exactly what wayne's talking about if he feels strong about a player and i give props to everybody who saw arian foster last year shit in wcuff i had a third round and chance to take him and i didn't take him in the third round i can still kick myself for that but i just didn't believe that he was going to be the stud that he was jules wayne a whole bunch of people saw better than i did definitely so did they take a gamble yes they did and it paid off for them and uh those people are better at it than I am. I guess that's why I finish middle of the pack most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at this trendsetter draft, lots to talk about. We can really break it down like you guys have for, for weeks. We yeah. definitely don't have time to do uh, what you guys did for that justice. But uh, 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 let, let's just go ahead and call it a night. You know, because I, I, I tell you, as I look at all these teams, I'm trying to pick out a winner here. This draft is very <laughs> hard to do. I kind of – I kind of like Kate yeah. Spears' team a little bit, just what he put together. He's got Charles and Drew and uh, Dez yeah. Bryant and Marshall and Blunt and Matt Ryan. See, you can get Matt Ryan late in the sixth round, and they've yeah. opened up that offense now. That's got to be pretty exciting to get a quarterback that late. That's what you get with, when drafting early. You never know. Sometimes you're going to make some bad decisions, but sometimes you're going to, you know, pick up yeah. on some gold. Yeah, the one that I was going to look at was Jack Hans. I liked his when he started out with Roddy White and then Aaron Rodgers lasting to the second round. And then getting Michael Turner, Ryan Matthews, uh, Jimmy Graham. I like that pick an awful lot. I liked a lot of what uh, Jack had done. That was one team that stood out for me. You know, I was at my uh, son's T-ball game uh, the other day, and I looked over and talked to a guy there, and, he, and I told him that we were drafting in a couple of days, and he looked at me with yeah. the most foreign look, like, what? He was like, you know, how do you even know what's going on? He's like, well, we know we're all on the same. Uh, you know, he just looked yeah. at me like he couldn't even fathom it. He plays fantasy football, mind you. He's not like somebody that doesn't play. He, he's in a yeah. league, but there's a, there's a whole clan of people that don't get involved. How are we ever going to reach those guys? Is it, it are, are the 60s and 77s those types of leagues? Is that what's going to be the gateway to those casual players? Well, I think that's the honest truth. Is there are only X amount of people that are crazy like you, Mike, me, and other people. This, that's why I'm saying that this fantasy high-stakes market is not 5,000 people or 10,000 people, or if we just spread the word, we'd have 100,000 people playing at 2,000 apiece. No, no, it's not. There's, there's millions of gamblers out there, but fantasy players who are in it for the marathon, who are in it all year long, who are studying it up and all and getting a payday, Four months later, five months later, there's only X amount of those people, and it might only be 1,200 of you crazies. We're going to grow this market through the online championships, the 60s, the $60, $125, $350. We're, we're going to grow that. 
but we're not ever going to grow it to $100,000. I'm not going to take any shots at anybody, but the the excuse that WCUFF had this great vision that they were going to take it to television and it was just going to grow to this multi-million, is isn't going to happen. This is a unique space. There's X amount of players, and we're going to grow this thing through 60s and 125. For some people, and that's why the online championship is so successful for us and for other people, $350 is their max, and that's their high stakes. And we ought to understand yeah. that's a lot of money for people. So let's create I agree, a championship. Right? And, you know, right? I mean, I, I totally agree, and I know we're going to have to uh, uh, go here in a second, but uh, I couldn't agree with you more because that is it. And, uh, you know, I, I, lo- I would love to uh, jump in on the 60, and I'm, I'm a part of the 77s, and those type things, they catapult you to the next level. That's what right. it's all about. Right. Red versus yeah, no, blue, no, no, we'll yeah. see you next week. Got to stay on here, Greg. Got a few more questions for you, my man. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, we're back with overtime. Uh, You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. You are, uh, we're still going in overtime on Red vs. Blue tonight. Greg Ambrose, this is our guest. And Greg, I, I didn't want to let you go because we have this, uh, I don't know if you watch NBA at all, but Mike and I started a conversation early in the in the program talking about the best players still remaining in the NBA, and we gave a short list of four players. LeBron James, oh, yeah. Derrick Rose, Dirk Nowitzki, and Kevin Durant. Uh, Greg, I know you're a sports nut, so you have an opinion oh, yeah. on this. Who's the best player playing still alive in the NBA right now? Wow. Those are all four great choices. I watched every minute of that game last night. I watched every minute of the Bulls heat the other night. I mean, last night, Kevin Durant was just phenomenal. That guy is might be the best player in all of basketball right now. I love Rose. I love Wade. Nowitzki looked awesome the other night, but for my money right now, Kevin Durant is just smooth, beautiful, and dominating. I just love the guy right now. All right. All right. Greg says Durant. <laughs> All right, Mike, uh, you want to go or me? Uh, I want to go. Uh, it's a no-brainer for me. I love uh, I love Derrick Rose. He's gonna uh, he's gonna continue to be uh, the the MVP that he was voted uh, to be. I mean, he's a great player. Uh, LeBron James, uh, man, look, I be- I became a Cleveland Cavalier fan because of LeBron James. When he when he decided to take his talents, whatever, uh, the way he did that was wrong. The bottom line, he's a great player. Kevin Durant, no doubt. I mean, he's got he's got so much talent. Uh, his his ceiling is really high. But for my money, Dirk is the guy. Dirk Nowitzki. I have never seen a seven foot guy go in and out. In and out, left and right, left and right, so versatile. Dirk Nowitzki, that is my guy as uh, the best NBA player going right now because he can do so many things. He's so dangerous, not only inside, outside. When was the last time you saw a seven-footer 
nail threes the way he does, and if you foul him, well, let me tell you something, that's free throws consistently. I mean, that's 90% free throw percentage. Dirk's my guy. Well, uh, Mike, you know what? It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be scary. And, and you know what? Maybe the end of the world is tomorrow with the rapture because I'm gonna go and say Dirk Nowitzki as well. Seven foot tall. Oh no! Ninety uh, percent from free throws. Forty percent. He's Larry Bird, man. I'm telling you. But he is Larry Bird, right? What what is different? I mean, he does everything that Bird does and more. And look, I, I did the research on this guy. You know, he could actually jump into the top five in scoring sometime around 2015 if the world makes it that far. He's got another, he's got another, uh, you know, four years of playing. He's going to go up to number five all time. This guy has averaged over 23 points a game for the last 11 years. It's incredible. And to see what he was doing the other night, the turnaround jumpers left and right, 20 of 20 on the free throw line. Uh, does he play defense? I don't know. Uh, that might be the yeah, only knock-on. I mean, for a, for a big man, you would you maybe expect a little bit more than that. But seven, eight rebounds a game for ten years, and ninety percent from free throws, forty percent from the threes. It doesn't. It's seven foot tall. It just doesn't get any better than Dirk Nowitzki. He got the he got the ultimate uh, the ultimate compliment from George the Iceman Gervin. George Gervin at uh, six eight played for the San Antonio Spurs for years, and he was like, three-point line? Uh, I don't know what that is. And then he's thinking, okay, now we've got a seven-foot guy that can shoot three-pointers with no problem and can still post up and can shoot free throws. Man, that's the ice man. That's exactly what George, the Iceman Gervin, said, and that's a legendary Hall of Famer right there. Yeah, that, that that's a ringing endorsement. And, guys, there's another stat that's out, and I love stats, but Dirk's, uh, you know, Kobe Bryant, they talk about him being a clutch player, and that's his goal. I love big goals, right? I mean, that's one of the things. Whatever contest, business, or life you're in, you got to have big goals. And Kobe, right off the bat, what did he say he wanted? He wanted more rings. More rings, one more ring than Michael Jordan. That's what he wanted. That was his goal. And, you know, he's on his way uh, towards getting it. He had a great start with Shaq. He's got Pau Gasol now, and he works his tail off. His fourth quarter field goal percentage is 39%, and he, he's argued by a lot of people by the best closer in the game. It's not even close. Dirk Nowitzki's fourth quarter field goal percentage is 51%. Best quarter, uh, fourth quarter percentage uh, for anybody, uh, you know, so that it's pretty well, incredible what we have been able to do. So anyway, great side discussion. Greg, thanks a lot for being part of this uh, this uh, group tonight. It was a lot of fun having you, and uh, we'll talk some more about those NFFC 60s. If you all have us, we'd love to do it. You got her, man. Thanks a lot, and give me a holler anytime. I'll be back on when you need me, all right? All right. Take care, all right, Greg. Thanks, Greg. All right. Good luck, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Mike, it was a great show. Thanks again. I didn't get to talk to you much today, but uh, we look forward to uh, having another great uh, off season here, red versus blue. And uh, they're talking about the Wildcats. Uh, already talking them up. Is uh, you guys in North Carolina are the top two teams in the country in college basketball? So I know you got six months I know, to go. But I know. I tell you what, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm, I'm looking forward to see what the Animal Kingdom will do tomorrow in the Preakness. Man, what a weekend we've got! See you next week, guys. 
I find in a part of my life the joy I will lift up my eyes. 